What's up, NBA fans? It's the NBA playoffs are officially on their on underway here. The first round has been more epic than we thought across the board. Dallas, Lakers, Suns, Atlanta, New York, Madison Square Garden on their feet. I think people in New York forgot all about COVID because it's, it's, it's pandemonium in there. And the last two games have not disappointed. And we'll run through that game and all of the first round series on today's episode of the Second Stringers. NBA podcast. What an exciting turn of events here. The playing tournament was great, and now the first round playoffs are just as great, maybe except for the Celtics Nets game. But Sean, what's your quick reaction here to what we've seen so far? Oh, well, I just want to give a special shout out. We're not planning on really diving into this, but the play in games that happened last week um, that we didn't get to cover, those were incredible games, and I'm really excited to see where those go in the future and i i am sad that golden state isn't in the playoffs honestly yeah. but the fact that memphis is is playing the way that they are against the jazz it's making up for it uh, but all these all these series like you said have just been so good so entertaining the intensity level just seems up and this is the first time we're really seeing like you said with madison square garden and some of these other ones just fans just lining all the seats it looks like it's full capacity even though like the 76ers were saying they only allowed like 10 or 11,000 doc rivers said it felt like it was the whole stadium was rocking and then Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure madison square garden was at full (laughs) capacity Um, just seeing it up from the tv i'm like man that just looks like a normal game exactly it was pretty (laughs) awesome honestly it was really cool and it just felt like the noise level was just so loud just coming through the tv and you're just it's so exciting. It's it, it really it's just a whole different experience when you get all the real fans there. Right. And it also just has been awesome to see young stars really excel right now in the playoffs. Trey Young playing his first playoff series. I mean, Luca's doing his thing. We saw him mm-hmm. last year, but he's doing his thing again. Randall is out there for the in the playoffs for the first time as well. Uh, it's and Devin Booker, of course, almost forgot to, to mention Devin Booker, but Devin Booker doing his thing John Morant. as well. John Morant with the Memphis Grizzlies, exactly. Uh, so we're starting to see new faces here, and a really maybe not changing of the guard. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if LeBron mm. does not make it to the finals. <laughs> but uh, it's cool to see these young faces out here. No Steph Curry, a shame mm. for the Warriors. But yeah. I mean. If you're doubting that team, whether or not they deserved it, I mean, Memphis stole game one Memphis. So that's yeah. that's big. No, that that really helps make that a little more digestible because I'm like, man, do I really <laughs> want to watch Memphis in this series against the number one seed? Like Steph Curry would have been so fun. But John Morant is helping me forget about that pain a little bit. And man, mm-hmm. he's you might not even be able to tell based off of the box scores like John Morant's putting it up like Steph Curry does. It's yeah, it's and, very awesome against Utah. I mean, a great mm-hmm. defensive team too. It's it's pretty awesome. We'll we'll get more into that later. Uh, that game's still going on. Game two, uh, we'll see the conclusion of that one by the end of the podcast. Yeah, but we got to start off with your boys first here, Sean. Mm, it's do been we have to? <laughs> probably. I think this has been to me the most surprising series so far is how this one has gone. And we're talking about Dallas versus Clippers. Mm. Dallas stealing going 2-0 against the Clippers in L.A. I mean, L.A., the Staples Center is not quite nearly as loud as Madison Square Garden or any of these <laughs> other places. But still, Luka is just rocking the Clippers, uh, going with a triple-double in Game 1 
and another 39 points in game two. And this is despite Dallas shooting like 40% from the free throw line all the way up until the fourth <laughs> quarter. They still held on to a 12-point lead heading into the fourth quarter against the Clippers. And uh, they showed some glimmers of hope, but Dallas really put that game away. Sean, what's going on here in L.A.? <laughs> I mean... The, the instinctual thing is to just say that the Clippers are cursed and people have known it for decades and no amount of talent or ability is going to change that. There's just no hope for us. And you know what it makes? This makes it really hard to, to argue against it. All, all the facts and evidence lead you to believe that we are indeed cursed. And it doesn't even matter how good of a game Kawhi Leonard has. The fact that Paul George is not really playing like Pandemic P, but <laughs> every loss the Clippers get, it, it somehow falls on his shoulders. That's just that's how the fans are going to react. The, it's, it's, uh, it's a real problem. It is. And it does come down to the fact that we cannot guard Luka Doncic. It is kind of unreal. And I like to think that he's getting a little lucky. Because this is nothing like the Luka Doncic that we saw during the regular season, who who mm. was a great player, but he was not playing to this level. And maybe it's something within him, his, his absolute hatred of the Clippers that's giving him these extra powers right now. But the, the types of shots that he's getting up, and I, I don't know if, if anyone watching this or even you, Alan, got to watch a lot of these games. I mean, oh, the second one was on NBA TV, so who the hell <laughs> saw that one while the, the Lakers game what, was playing? Is that, is that disrespectful? Is that disrespectful? I mean, you think? I think it's disrespectful to Luka, <laughs> if nothing. Yeah. Like, I know you can disrespect the Clippers, sure. We don't deserve a shred of respect right now. <laughs> but you're putting Luka on NBA TV? The, the, yeah. These shots this man was putting up, it is criminal that people were not watching it on a national level because mm -hmm. he was making like three pointer, like step back three pointers, side fadeaway three pointers, <laughs> just shots over Kawhi Leonard, shots just over Pat Beverly at will. Yeah, and it was something to behold. And this is just the highlights. I didn't even get to watch it because it was blocked out in my area. <laughs> I just saw the highlights of Luca just torching us. And it's just it goes to show there's just nothing we have against him. We're supposed to have two of the best wing defenders in the NBA in Kawhi and Paul George. And neither of them could do anything to stop him. It seemed like we wanted Pat Beverly to guard him for some godforsaken reason. It seemed like we were allowing Zubak to switch on him in the pick and roll and just let him get cooked by Doncic over <laughs> and over again. It's like, I don't really understand. We're not learning our lessons at all. And, it, and the Mavs are just taking advantage of every single mistake that we make, which... I mean, all credit to them. They're playing at such a high level right now. It just seems like they're just so zoned in, so hungry to beat this Clippers team that they're just not going to mess up. I mean, looking at the role players here, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., who is largely an irrelevant <laughs> player, who maybe you get more than 10 points from him in a game. He's shooting 65% from three through two games. Absolutely unreal. Averaging 24 points a game. Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleba shooting 75% from three, granted with not that many shots, but still being consistent. The team shooting about 50% from three as a team, 50% through these first two games. 
when I look at that, it makes me have, like you said, some glimmer of hope that they can't do that for the whole series, can they? <laughs> they can't shoot this well the whole time, but maybe they can just string it together for a few more games against the Clippers. Maybe they can do it, but it's it's but also just comes down to the Clippers being unable to make adjustments. Yeah, like I mentioned with the screen and roll with Zubac, but also that we didn't make any changes to our starting lineup, which clearly isn't working forcing Patrick Beverly into starting minutes when he's clearly not ready. He's just coming off that injury. Barely. We got him back for what? Like the first or the last few weeks of the regular season. He didn't look good. Then he certainly doesn't look good now. And Marcus Morris was a guy that we were also playing off the bench and he was doing pretty well there. We were starting Nick Batum and now all of a sudden we're starting Marcus Morris and he's sucking. So if we don't see Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris on the bench to start the game for game three, I think it's already over. Like we've already lost if we continue to start these guys. Yeah, it's it's madness when when you look at the Clipper box score and you know, Kawhi Leonard is having heck games like his games mm-hmm. match up to Luca's. Although I will say Luca might be the best player in the playoffs so far right now. Like I, I think he's yeah. playing the best, mm-hmm. best basketball out of everybody. Um, granted Durant may not be as quite as challenged yet. So we'll wait yeah, on that. But yeah. up to this, <laughs> right. but up to this point, Luca's playing the best basketball out of everybody, individual basketball out of everybody in the playoffs. I think Kawhi is trying to match him. Paul George is playing good. But when you look at the box score, there's no other clipper here no. <laughs> uh, that is coming close to yeah. matching or giving any form of support. You got Reggie Jackson, 15 points here in game two. It's That's it's it. nice. No one else was above 10. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need a little more extra punch from that. Uh from any of these guys, Marcus Morris. Uh, I mean, Pat Beverly doesn't really fill the score sheet here, but you're just gonna need to f- find something and where is Ibaka and where's Luke Kennard is the two big uh, questions also from this we, in terms Luke of our role player. At the back of the bench. <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to talk about this because we are all very aware that this was a bad deal that the Clippers made. <laughs> and we've talked about this like 20 times on this podcast since the start of the offseason, how this was a stupid move and made no sense. And now they're just rubbing salt in the wound by being like, you know what? We're not even going to give him the chance to earn his contract. He's just going to sit there and make the money doing nothing. (laughs) It's just, it's the most baffling thing I've ever seen. I wasn't really a fan of Ty Lue to start the season. I I was willing to give him a chance, but I've, I've lost hope in him. He just looks clueless out there. Yeah. He totally looked like he had a deer in the headlights type look. Paul George looked like he had that look again. Despite the Clippers making a short run there in that fourth quarter to cut that 12-point deficit, but, I mean, Dallas is just knocking shots down. It, it's ridiculous, and maybe part of it is to blame the the Clipper defense, and maybe part of it is Dallas getting lucky, but Luka is just cutting through, finding guys. You double-team him, and he's finding these guys, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Cleaver, and Borzingas. Porzingis is playing great playoff basketball right now, really trying to redeem himself, you know, after after the after getting injured last year. But I would think if there is a glimmer of hope, it's this, Sean, that maybe mm-hmm. Mavericks cool down a bit from shooting. But then again, I look at their roster and some of the guys that were 
actually pretty decent for them in the regular season. Haven't really had great playoff games. <laughs> Finley Smith, Jalen Brunson, um, Dwight Powell. Like these were kind of their go-to guys in the regular season and they're playing okay. So there is to say like maybe Matt, the Mavericks roster is a little bit better than we thought they were. And somehow they're, they're getting an extra punch in the playoffs against the Clippers. Yeah, well, I, I think that there is some truth to that, though, because they did have a big slew of injuries throughout the course of the season. They did mm-hmm. struggle through the first half of the season. I mean, they, they were one of the, the teams that got COVID really early on, and a lot of their role players actually got COVID and had to deal with that. Um, just coming back in midway through the season, Porzingis was in and out of the lineup constantly. So the fact that he's playing right now, I mean, who knows? He might he might be out next game, but yeah, he's healthy right now. And yeah, they they have a full roster. Um, I think they're finally firing on all cylinders for the first time, really all season. I mean, we saw them play really well in the last stretch of the season to get to this five seed. I mean, they were at the seven seed for a while before they were able to push ahead of the Lakers and the Blazers. So I, I do think that this team is better than what their seed indicates. And I I, I want to say that the Clippers should be playing higher than their seed indicates, but I think that forcing Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris into this lineup that wasn't really using them the whole regular season has been a huge detriment to us, and we need to go back to what worked for us in the regular season. Put Reggie Jackson back in the starting lineup. Hell, put Rajon Rondo in the starting lineup. <laughs> He's been playing great for us, and we've only been playing him like... 15 20 minutes a game yeah i don't don't, like why did we bring this guy on if we're gonna force patrick beverly for 30 minutes when rondo's actually playing well and winning and winning while he's on the floor yeah patrick beverly is totally playing to i mean when i look at him playing out there he looks like what russell westbrook was saying like he's just running around doing things because he's (laughs) not really helping and from a team defense perspective and he's doing a terrible job holding luca down i mean luca's just too big for him Mm-hmm. In all honesty, it's just yep. he's too, too big for too a lot of guards. Small. That's, I mean, that's what mm-hmm. Doncic was saying to him while posting him up and just shooting layups over him. It's yeah. embarrassing, man. It, it is really embarrassing. As Clippers, like they're, you're just gonna fall this far below expectations a second year in a row, and now you have a bunch of people talking about Kawhi just leaving if they lose this mm. series. And I mean, who who the heck knows what Kawhi's gonna do? Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's just happy to be in L.A. And I guess you could say small market team because no one gives a crap about them (laughs) clearly based off of where they get their TV slots and how many fans actually show up in the Staples Center because they still have the paper cutouts in the front rows with (laughs) Madison Square Garden at full capacity. Like what is happening? Yeah, it's it's a real head shaker and it goes all the way back to and we've talked about this extensively. The Marcus Morris contract, the Luke Kennard contract. Even the the Ibaka deal, yep. like the Ibaka deal, is not playing itself out this year. I don't know where he's at. He played a couple minutes, but <laughs> I think he's still injured. He 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 came yeah. back. He's just not conditioned. He's not ready. Which but is he's not bad. a difference. He's not going to be a difference maker. I he's think he's not. From, from- he, I think he needs to get out of the rotation. Honestly, it's just wasted minutes, and uh, unfortunately, it just seems like Zubak has no place in mm-hmm. this specific battle. Like he he just seems to be outmatched. He's not tall or nimble enough to guard Porzingis, and he's not fast enough to guard like Kleba and Powell. Yeah. So it it's pretty rough because I mean Zubak has been playing well for us during the regular season, but I think just against the Mavs, it's a bad matchup. 
um, yeah. which is tough because that's that's where you'd want Serge Ibaka, um, but you don't really have that ability right now, and it's it's tough. I mean, yeah, we, I, yeah, we're, I'm done talking about the Clippers. <laughs> we got, we got a lot of other playoff series that are a little more competitive than this one, but yeah, gosh, we need Be- Game Three in the worst way. Yeah, before moving on, the Clippers, this is their fifth consecutive playoff loss, counting all the way back oh, to the bubble. They, okay. They're down Bye. two and oh, going back, going to Dallas. Sean, what do you think is the is the final here? I still think Clippers can get a game, so I'm gonna say five games, Dallas. I'll go, I'll go, I'll give uh, the Clippers two. I will give them two. But that's only if I turn on the TV for the starting lineup and I see changes there. If it's the exact Six. same freaking lineup that we've been running the last two games, it's going to be a sweep. It's over. Oh, gosh. Like, if Ty Lue's not going to make any switch in the starting lineup, he's not going to change anything? No, we're not winning a single game. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens here for game three. But moving on to the other LA series, Lakers and Suns. This is an exciting series. It's definitely mm-hmm. lived up to the hype. I think we knew that this wasn't going to be your average two versus seven seed. This is this is playing out like we thought it would. It's a series yeah. that looks like something that we should have been seeing in the second round. I mean, all kinds of heroics here for the Suns mm-hmm. to try to mitigate the loss of Chris Paul here or his limited shoulder. And LeBron and AD really bouncing back in game two. 57 combined points. Davis 18 for 21 from the free throw line, Drummond and Booker doing their thing. And I can't believe I'm going to give the shout out to this guy or not a shout out, but even mention him. Cameron Payne <laughs> coming, almost winning game wow. two for what looked like a, <laughs> the Lakers really holding their stance for most of that game too. And Cameron Payne going with his playoff heroics and almost, you know, he helped erase basically a 15 point deficit with 19 points and seven assists it wasn't quite enough but we were so close to calling game two the cameron Payne game i felt oh, I was like lakers man. you better not let this happen that was insane i i am very impressed by this kid i mean the lakers had full control of this game most of the game and then that run just led by cameron Payne, because i mean chris paul just he tried you know he, he mm-hmm. was out there with his shoulder largely ineffective as a player but just his presence i'm sure helps but cameron Payne picking up all those extra minutes that chris paul couldn't play and man like i wouldn't be surprised if chris paul couldn't have outplayed what cameron Payne did during that stretch because this dude was lighting it up i remember yeah. texting you i was like how is campaign <laughs> <laughs> like taking the suns back right now like this is crazy like he did nothing like this in okc I, no. I mean, he was more of like a meme player in my eyes. Like, I don't even know like what, why this guy was in the NBA. And you were like, why did this guy go back to the G League where he belongs? <laughs> oh, yeah, why is he here? He should be playing for the Shanghai Tigers or <laughs> the Shanghai, Shanghai Lions. That's where he, yeah. yeah, the Shanghai Sharks. That's where he should be. He should not be in Phoenix right now leading this comeback against the Lakers. But he was, uh, him and Cam Johnson too. Cam Johnson yeah. hitting two big threes. Uh, but you know, LeBron, the cheat code, honestly, this is just crazy to me. Like how the Lakers can have someone like Anthony Davis. And yet it's LeBron. Who's just pulling Mm -hmm. through the heroics. Of course it is though. It's LeBron. (laughs) It's just, it just still surprises me. This man has this in his back pocket. Like what Mm -hmm. he did to the warriors in those closing minutes. Mm -hmm. He basically did the same thing in better fashion, which is good news for Laker fans. Did that in better (laughs) fashion against the Suns here to just close the game out. 
Um, and also AD getting a good basket there. Uh, but man, LeBron is just such a cheat code. And game two <laughs> all was all Lakers, except for that Cameron Payne episode. <laughs> and I think the big question for the Lakers continuing to move forward is just the center puzzle and whether or not that's been figured out. You got Andre Drummond, 20, 24 minutes in game two, 15 and 12 on seven for 11 shooting. Less post isos for Drummond and mm-hmm. just let him catch the ball and just score. Uh, you know, basically what Clint Capella was for the for the Rockets. More Marcus Saul, 20 minutes, two for four from three to open the space up. And it was Marcus Saul who was out there to really close the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Montrez Harold, DMP. It Oof. might just be what it is, man, for Montrez. Yeah. What do you think? It's kind of crazy, man. He goes from sixth man of the year to just mm-hmm. not playing coach's decision in the in a playoff game. It's kind of crazy to think that his skill set is just not suited to winning in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm really happy to see Gasol getting those minutes. See, th- that's the type of thing the Clippers didn't do. They didn't make a <laughs> single adjustment from game one to game two. Vogel, a good coach, goes and be like, huh, you know what? I didn't play Gasol in game one. I'm going to give it a go in game two. And it worked beautifully. And a lot Mm -hmm. of fans were clamoring for it. They're like, come on, Gasol, just get him in there. Like, he's a winner. He knows what he's doing out there. He doesn't fill up the stat sheet, but he just knows his role well. And I think this works really well. But a lot of this does depend still on Drummond playing well in the minutes he plays. I mean... 15 and 12 is fantastic for 24 minutes of a game, but it, it's hard for me to say he's going to get that every time. And yeah. a lot of it's just matter of circumstance. So I think Gasol's minutes should uptick and Drummond should still go down personally. Um, but that's going to be hard for the coaching staff to make that decision when they saw it work so well in game two. Yeah, I think you got to lean on something against a good team like the Suns. And I think the Lakers are going to lean on what they leaned on last year, which is basically size. Mm -hmm. We're bigger than you. We're going to beat (laughs) you up inside. And that eventually is going to give us the W. And I think Drummond is is part of that. You know, you got a seven footer out there who's a beast on the boards. Mm -hmm. He's just got to be able to hang his head and just and just, you know, hustle. And just because the Suns are quick. They're fast and they love they love the pick and roll with Devin Booker, campaign, Camp Johnson, all these guys out there ready to shoot. And obviously Chris Paul. I think the Chris Paul thing is definitely helping the Lakers out a bit with this center, with the centerpiece puzzle. I think Drummond had a harder time really keeping up with Paul and really keeping up with what he was doing out there. So I mean, he had a good game today so hopefully we see some more of this but marcus all really opening up the spacing there for anthony davis i think that that switch was clutch for the lakers to see and the third piece i think is schroeder i think dennis mm. schroeder was shown that he is the key to this series 24 points 8 for 16 in game two in game one he was five for seven 14 points he's got to be aggressive the other role players on the lakers outside of drummond ad and lebron are, are struggling a bit but i think schroeder is really slicing the Suns' defense. And the Suns are also having a hard time, I think, keeping up with him. He He's just he's just a little speed demon out there, man. He really is. He is the master of the super fast cut to the, to the rim <laughs> and a diving layup where he ends up on the floor, like yeah. sliding on the floor <laughs> afterwards, but it goes in. 
I've seen him make that play multiple times in these first two games. I'm like, man, that looks dangerous and like yeah. <laughs> very aggressive, but it works. And like, I, I, I don't know, fundamentals of like learning layups when you're like growing up playing rec balls, like don't charge at the basket full speed when you're going for a layup because you're going to miss it because of the momentum. <laughs> but it right. seems like it works pretty well for Schroeder. So I guess when you get to that level, you kind of throw some of those fundamentals out of the way if you have the talent. Um, but yeah, he is playing up to expectations right now, which is really exciting as as Laker fans to see him being that score at a high level, that extra spark plug in, in that starting lineup that can score outside of your your main two, obviously, in LeBron and AD. That's that's big time for them. Yeah, and we need those shorter cuts. The threat of him cutting through is is what's really helping uh, you know, ignite the threats and keep that Laker keep keep forcing the Suns to keep moving and keep switching, uh, and Schroeder kicking it either out to AD or LeBron and just keep things fluid as opposed to everything sitting around, uh, letting the defense completely focus solely uh, on LeBron and his decision making or AD. So Schroeder's huge. Um, I mean, it's taken a bit out of the other role players. There is no Kuzma big performance yet. KCP mm. has struggled, but if Schroeder's doing like scoring like this at this efficiency and if the suns can't really adjust then we might be good with this but we'll see what happens here because on the other note like when you look at the suns like deandre aiden and devin booker they're there man like they're they're good (laughs) like they're doing their thing aiden 10 for 11 in game one 11 for 13 in game two Booker 31 (laughs) points 17 for 17 from the free throw line in game two 34 points in game one these dudes are doing everything they can it's just that Chris Paul shoulder really seems to be that mm-hmm. X factor because th- these games are still close. So it's not like Lakers are dominating or get dominated this game too. So there's still a glimmer of hope here for the Suns. Well, I shouldn't even say glimmer of hope. I think there's still a chance that this series goes long. Um, I still think it's going game to six games, but the Suns really need another role player to really help step up. Yeah, especially, yeah, because obviously you wouldn't need that if you had your your big three and Chris Paul, Aiton, and Booker all firing on all cylinders, but it's hard for me to think that this is even going to go to six if Chris Paul's going to mm-hmm. stay limited like this. You're going back to Staples Center now for the next yeah. two games. They struggled to beat the Lakers without him for half the game in game two, and that was at home. And that, that Phoenix Sun Stadium, that was rocking too. Like when yeah. they made that Cameron Payne fourth quarter comeback, it was electric in there. Like you could feel mm-hmm. the energy just through the TV screen, and it was packed in there. That energy must have really helped them, but that wasn't even enough to get them over the hump. You go back to Staples Center, dude, when it, I'm sure it's going to be max capacity there. It's going to be crazy for the Lakers. There's just no way they win a single game there if Chris Paul isn't able to play like Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they need something big if they're going to pull this without, without uh, Chris Paul so far as a team, 31% shooting from three Crowder's one for eight on the series. Booker's three for 10. That's what kills the Lakers. uh, And the team is not capitalizing on that. Part of that is probably Chris Paul just not being able to be on the floor and be the magician that he is. I'm calling it six games, Sean. I think I'm feeling a little better that the Lakers are going to take this. Uh, you still you calling it five games or you TBD to um, see what Chris Paul? I just I can't with Chris Paul's shoulder. I just don't see him winning another game. It's unfortunate. The Chris Paul curse continues, man. It's really mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, speaking yeah speaking of curses, there's Chris Paul curse and the Clippers curse. 
yeah it's real it's actually a thing it's 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 unfortunate but yeah it would have been nice to see what would happen in the series with both teams of full strength but it's lakers in five yeah okay makes sense probably it's a curse from david stern after that trade yeah. went down did not go down it is both us and chris paul man <laughs> yeah moving on from there we got nuggets and blazers tied one to one Jokic just killing it out there damian leonard doing his thing and the portland blazers hanging on here and Nurkic, i think has been a big surprise here you got Nurkic versus Jokic, the two former mm -hmm. guys who were traded for That's each fun. other that's a really fun <laughs> matchup. I mean, Jokic is winning it so far, but Nurkic held his own game one, and I think that's going to really be what this series comes down to is, is how much can Nurkic actually slow down Jokic? Because mm -hmm. if he can slow down Jokic, the entire train of Denver just comes to a grinding halt. You can't really stop him, though. You can only hope to slow him down. I mean, the dude's averaging 36 points and 12 rebounds through these first two games, but... His assist numbers are pretty down. He only had one assist in game one. He had five in game two, which is better. But this is a guy that he play mix. He, he averaged eight assists, over eight assists on the regular season. And he hasn't really found the guys as much um, during these first two playoff games. And maybe credit some of that to Nurkic. Maybe it's just he's just taking what's coming to him. Mm -hmm. uh, but in game two, he was just absolutely dominant. He looked like the MVP. And the Blazers are just going to fight hard. I mean, this is a very even series on both sides. I think Damian Lillard is going to try to match whatever Jokic is doing. CJ McCollum is going to have to match Michael Porter Jr. as far as firepower. But I do think the Nuggets are just going to end up having a little more depth than the Blazers because the Blazers have to rely on Carmelo Anthony for their bench spark plug. The rest of those guys are just so questionable. I don't think I don't even think Stotts knows which guys to play in the playoffs. Um, mm -hmm. Outside of like Carmelo, you have like and Fernie Simons getting some minutes in there. Um, Ennis Cantor's minutes have dropped significantly, and then he's not even really playing Derek Jones Jr., who is a pretty integral part of their regular season, uh, with filling in for some injuries here and there. But it's really just the starters for Portland. Um, but Denver, you, you have guys like Monty Morris and Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green that you that come off the bench and they contribute well. Um, that and that's probably just going to give them that edge at, over the course of the series. So I don't know if you see it the same or if you think Portland's starters can pull it out. I mean, that's that starting group that they have is so is pretty strong. It's very strong, but true. I mean, the depth was always a problem with this team, and. Ever since they let those guys walk away a couple of years ago, it seems like they've had trouble filling in the gaps here. And I'm just wondering, when are we going to have an Ennis Cantor game? Or is that just, is that shit all just uh, Not if God? Nurkic is healthy, yeah. I don't, they're not going to give him the opportunity. Somebody needs to go in there and break one of his shoulders so he can get one shoulder Cantor back. <laughs> That's his strongest form. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Nuggets ultimately just have... A d just have better weapons outside of the trailblazers with dame and cj uh and and nurkic like Jokic is just the you know he he's the mvp i mean he's one of the best <laughs> players in the world right now michael porter jr is man he that dude is just coming into his own and really lighting things up you got Composo all of a sudden too being Playing great being a, a starter quality point guard in this league Jamichael green paul Millsap is still pretty solid nothing Nothing that stands out off the box score there. 
And I mean, Aaron Gordon hasn't done anything that shines, but he's just been the consistent dude who's plugging away at with 15 and seven, 15 and 16 and eight in game one, uh, just doing enough. And Nuggets team is big. Blazers team are a little smaller. They have, they're led by their guards and I think it's going to be a crime fest, but I just still see the Nuggets pulling this off at the end. The most questionable thing for me, why and when, why are the <laughs> Devin Nuggets starting Austin Rivers? When yeah. did that happen? Who made I, this I think, decision? Yeah, I'm not sure why that's happening. I, I My guess is Monty Morris is still not quite... A hundred percent or something. I He's playing, but <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? It's like they're trying to lose. Like mm-hmm. game one, they lost. Maybe they wouldn't have lost if they hadn't played Austin Rivers so many damn minutes. This is yeah. unreal. Out of all the guys on the starting lineup of Denver in game two, when they won by like nineteen points, Austin Rivers was a plus zero. So he's the only starter not actually doing anything positive for your team. And he's getting like 28 minutes. What are we doing? Whose decision was this? What kind of coaching is this? It's like they're trying to make this like Portland, give Portland a chance here. Put an Austin Rivers. Do you think this guy can guard CJ McCollum? Is that why he's out there? Are you insane? Have you not watched him play before? This is just unreal. I don't even know. He wasn't even in the rotation in the regular season. Now you're starting him? Like, what? Yeah. It was a late season pickup. I mean, do you remember? Austin Rivers was on, on the Knicks and, and was cut. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> but then they picked him up and they didn't play him. Like, when, when Jamal Murray got hurt, Austin Rivers wasn't getting starter minutes. Well, yeah. I don't understand this at all. Like, I, I think it's not going to prevent the Nuggets from losing this series, but it'll sure as hell prevent them from winning the next one. This mm-hmm. is that they need to reverse course on this immediately. This is yeah. just a bad, bad experiment. Don't take game two for granted. Just because you won it doesn't mean you should keep starting Austin Rivers. This is a big red flag. Yeah, they desperately need Will Barton back at some point. Whenever yeah, he, is he supposed he to come back, I'm not entirely sure when he's supposed to come back, but I, they I really need care. that guy. Play, play <laughs> anybody but Austin Rivers. Anybody. Yeah. I will say, like, looking at what the Nuggets are throwing out there without Will Barton and Jamal Murray, that Aaron Gordon trade actually ended up being pretty big for their year. I'm looking at who Mm -hmm. they have out here in the playoffs. Like, (laughs) without Aaron Gordon, I think the Nuggets would probably be getting potentially swept. But they have a fighting chance with that that one more quality piece in there. Um, But Mm -hmm. ultimately, man, I think I could see this go in game to seven games. and I'm going to lean towards the Nuggets taking this in seven games. Yeah, I think Blazers in seven if they start Austin Rivers the entire time. <laughs> no, it'll be Nuggets in seven if they start Austin Rivers the entire time. If they move away from him, I'll say I'll go Nuggets in six. Nice. Okay, yeah. that, that seems reasonable. Eastern Conference, probably the most exciting series in the Eastern Conference. Easily probably the, the most exciting Hawks Knicks mm-hmm. tied oh, one yeah. one Madison Square Garden on Man. fire. You, you had that whole thing had to be an at capacity. Like it was just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the hype here going around. It's just the one series of complete balance in terms mm-hmm. of like the biggest star is Trey Young, and then you got Randall on the Knicks. But really, neither of these two guys is a top ten player. I would say so. Really, this is a series of true team basketball. 
I think of well-balanced team basketball teams. You got Hunt, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Bogdanovic, Alec Burks, Derek Rose, Clint Capella versus Taj Gibson. Every player <laughs> playing a big role, and it's really made this these last two games a grind fest. Uh, Trey Young taking it in game one there at the end there with that near game, uh, buzzer beater, putting Madison Square Garden silent. Julius Randle putting together some some big buckets towards the end here in game two and the big pass to Taj Gibson to dunk it and, and close that game out. But the most valuable player is struggling in this series um, from, in terms of from the field, but he's getting a lot of help from, like I said, Alec Burks, Derek Rose, Taj Gibson, and uh, RJ Barrett and the whole plethora of Knicks out there. Just like a, a misfit cast of players, it feels yeah, I even saw Obi Toppin making some great plays. Yeah, Obi today, Toppin, which yeah. I, yeah, this guy was barely getting any minutes, but man, to get some playoff minutes, and he he when he got that alley oop from Burks, that just lit Madison Square Garden <laughs> up. That was just such an electric moment for that. I mean, they've been waiting for something like that for what a decade to, yeah. to erupt like that, like they did. And man, it was it was something special to behold. Like. I can't imagine being there. It must have been such a crazy moment to be a Knicks fan in that moment. But yeah, this this series has been super even. It's been easily the most competitive series. And I mean, hats off to them. Like they, both these teams are bringing the playoff intensity that mm-hmm. they haven't had the experience of before. I mean, I think they're pretty lucky that they get to do it against each other because yeah. I mean, if they're going up against like the Bucks, they just get handled. But right. they're able to get this playoff experience against each other, and it's going to help grow both of these squads' um, experience quite a bit to be able to have a grinding, just gritty series <laughs> where you just have to just pl- every play matters. The defense has been spectacular. T- Trey Young has been spectacular himself. I mean, he's mm-hmm. really risen to the occasion. Back to back thirty point performances, shooting well over fifty percent on the series. But like you mentioned on the other side, most improved player, Julius Randle, he's only been shooting 29% from the field in these first two games. He has not, he was not really the reason that they won game two. Derek Rose gets a lot of credit for that one. I think he had 26 points tonight, which mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> like <laughs> vintage Derek Rose came back to help them win this game. It was really cool to see. Um, and and then on the other side, you got Bogdanovich. Um, really was the key to winning game one. I mean, Trey was great, but Bogdanovich being there as that second piece was really the thing that got them over the hump in that overtime period. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think Julius Randle, um, maybe he's feeling some nerves, maybe some pressure of, of being in a full capacity Madison Square Garden and having to live up to being the franchise player of this well-storied franchise with some of the most energetic fans, <laughs> passionate fans out there. And maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, a lot of pressure on him. Maybe yeah. the limelight's tough for him because I mean he's been playing in front of empty arenas for most of his time in New York. Yeah, I think there's a bit of the jitters going on, but I think it's, it's almost the same story we've seen. Maybe not to this degree, but the Knicks are just not really that offensive team. They they really rely on their defense, and that's that's what they've been hanging their head on. And I think that's why this series has been so grimy is just the Knicks just really forcing their defense. And I think that's great coaching from Tom Thibodeau that when things haven't been working out they're they're still continuing to lean on that because I mean, yeah, game one was 
not quite pretty for for the Knicks, but Alec Burks, 27 points, Mm -hmm. 9 for 13 shooting, kept it close. Game two, Derek Rose going off has also kept it close. So I think they're finding pieces here for pieces of guys who can have some decent offensive nights to keep it close to match up with the Hawks. And they're slowing down this offensive this offensive team too. So the only way the Hawks can really open it up is that they force their style onto the Knicks. But so far, I think the Knicks have held a bit of an upper hand. So that's a glimmer of hope for them as both games have been played on their style, slow, high, low scoring, um, and just packed in defense and people getting hacked and personal fouls all over the all over the place. Um, but I think the two two other names to call out that we haven't really highlighted is uh, Quigley for the Knicks. Quigley was big mm. for the Knicks in the regular season at times. And John Collins for the for the Hawks is just kind of not not really been a piece piece for them. It's definitely been more of the Bogdanovic, uh, Hunter and Trey Young show for for the Hawks on term on terms of the offensive side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Collins. He he was okay game one. He had like twelve mm-hmm. points, but then game two, fifteen minutes. He was in foul trouble the entire time. I think he had five fouls in those 15 minutes, and he didn't score a single point. So that's a huge factor for the Hawks. I mean, they basically he he basically didn't even play in this game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a guy that had so much promise. Not even a year. I, I want to say last year, maybe, but like two years ago, this guy looked like he had so much promise as a rookie. Just looked like he was gonna really become a very impactful player. And he still has the opportunity to do that, but it it does seem like he's just having trouble figuring it out. And maybe he can figure it out when they go back to Atlanta, when they have the home games, the home crowd might help him out. Um, And that that overtime win the Hawks got might end up being the difference maker and what who determining who wins this series, because they they did what they wanted to do. They split in New York. That's Mm -hmm. what they need to do. They got home court advantage, and now you get to go back to Atlanta and defend your turf. Here's a big question. Alfred Payton continues to start for this team. He played eight minutes in game Mm -hmm. one. Um, Let's see. He played about... He played five minutes in game two. (laughs) I'm not really sure what's going on there, but if this is what works, sure. But yeah, the New York York now goes back to Atlanta. Their hope is to try to take another game there. I mean, the, the both these teams that both these games have the the difference between the the score has been less than ten points for both these games. So, I, I think it's going to be the same. And there's the Knicks are going to have to rely again on an, Randall and a couple of other pieces just going off. Maybe it's Reggie Bullock this next time around. I don't know. Or maybe it is Alfred Payton in Game Three. No, but I think but I think they're going to find a piece and. I really hope this series goes to seven games. So I'm going to mm-hmm. put that. I'm going to put seven games and I'm going with my boy Randall to to really <laughs> grind it out and take the win and go to the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might I might have to go Hawks in seven just because they got that overtime win. I think if the mm-hmm. Knicks got that one, it would be Knicks in seven. But yeah, that is interesting about Alfred Payton. And I think it's very smart that they're playing him <laughs> less and less minutes. I wonder if Thibodeau is playing Peyton just to save Derrick Rose for the postseason. Because, I mean, Derrick Rose had not played anywhere near the amount of minutes that he played today. But it seems like that's what they're going to have to do if they want to win is play Derrick Rose meaningful starter minutes. 
Uh, he, he seems healthy. He seems ready to go. So you might as well get him out there because, yeah, Alfred Payton, you, you should just start Derrick Rose right now. Like, it's time. Let, let Peyton go to the back of the bench. He did his job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks for, if the Knicks go to the second round, Derrick Rose might have been the second best trade acquisition that happened this year, I mm. think, mm-hmm. outside of James Harden. I'm trying to think yeah. what other trade was a, was as big of a game yep. changer as Derrick Rose yeah, to the definitely, Knicks. Definitely wasn't Vucevic. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i think in terms of like making a difference in this season Derek rose seems to be that second mm-hmm. guy if this new york knicks makes it to the second round because i'm thinking like there is no other decision maker better than Derek rose on this roster julius randall maybe but Derek rose has been there and done that for so long now this yeah. guy has got the playoff experience he's got the calm head i think he he he's he's been big for this team um mm-hmm. but moving on the Milwaukee Bucks up 2-0 against the Miami Heat. This has been, I mean, I want to say it's a shocker, but really not. I mean, leading up to this point, it was kind of like, well, Miami is good. They got that same roster, but they just feel like something happened, uh, you know, during during the fall before the season started, and they just have never had not gotten it back. Um, And it looked very well like they might get swept. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going back to Miami now, down 2 0. They, they, I think they could probably get one in Miami. Yeah. That's their home turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's really sad. I mean, game one was an overtime game. So right. we can't discount that. Miami came to play, and then the Bucks just handled them game two. So it looks really bad right now. But because game one was so close, I'm not willing to count them out yet. Jimmy Butler really needs to step his game up. I mean, even in getting to overtime in game one, I think he shot like four of 22 from the field, <laughs> which is just so stupidly bad. And I remember like, I see, saw something, that, some comment that said that Jimmy Butler himself, like before, like before the series started, said he's locked in and ready to go. Then he goes out and shoots four of 22. And then in game two, he shoots four of 10. He only shot 10 times in game two. And this is something we talked about a lot in the bubble playoffs last year. We're like, I think it was mostly with the Clippers. Your star players can't be shooting 10 shots a game. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, Paul George? And now we you see Jimmy Butler. Do, yeah, you can't. You got to go down swinging. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's. All, I mean, sure, I know you were down 26 points after the first quarter, but you can't put up 10 shots. 10 yeah. shots? unreal but yeah and then i didn't even look this up because i didn't even remember this until now is tyler harrow playing any meaningful minutes for this team anymore this is supposed to be your bubble star rising here he seems like he's been he's regressed to a below average guy that fills in minutes for your starters yeah he has been an enigma it's crazy like in when we talk about it feels like this team left something in 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 miami where was the bubble tampa bay or orlando in orlando, <laughs> yeah, orlando yeah. they left something in orlando tyler harrow tyler is Harrell. who they left in in orlando <laughs> and they picked up his awful twin brother or like his almost made the nba twin brother or yeah. something like that yeah i mean he played 18 minutes four points oh. yesterday he's there there's no reason to doubt him but he, I mean, oh, there's lots if you've been of keeping up, him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've been keeping up with the regular season, this is basically what it's been for him. Just not really anything stellar, nothing close to what we saw in the bubble playoffs 
last year. And another note, the, this Miami Heat team is healthy too. They got Goran Dragic. You know, he came back healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Kendrick Nunn. They got all the pieces here. So it just, it feels funky that this is how this series is playing out. Uh, but at the same time, I think this is who they are. Like it, you look at the whole regular season this year so far, and this is what they've been really, really unpredictable and um, not really as sharp as what we saw last year. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times during the regular season where I'm like, Hey, they're healthy now. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to make this push to get like a top four seed. And then it never happened. And then they, they came close at the end, but like it shouldn't have been close. Like this Miami team is, it should be better than the Knicks. It should be better than the Hawks. Right. But yeah, it's, it's not looking like that way. Like Tyler Harrow's just, it's a sophomore slump or maybe it was just a fluke altogether. Yeah. Like, but yeah, there's just, there's not a lot here. And I know obviously this team isn't at full strength. I mean, they're, they're the same team they were in the bubble because they have all the players from there, but there's a team that did acquire Victor Odolipo right. and they're not going to see any of him until maybe like midway through next year. So um, maybe they were counting on him to be that extra guy and yeah, you don't even get to see what that would look like in the playoffs. So that's, that was maybe a bigger hit than we thought. Yeah, exactly. This, this is going to be tough if they end up coming out of this swept or losing five games, but that's the vibe that I'm getting. I don't really know what else to say about this Miami heat team. I feel like we've been talking about them all year. Yeah. Uh, they can <laughs> keep coming up and Jimmy Butler doesn't look good. Um, Goran Dragic is doing his thing. Bam Adebayo is doing his thing. The rest of the roster just kind of doesn't look very impressive. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say this team gets swept. I'm going Sweep, for it. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to give them sweeping. one. I'm going to give them one. Come on, dude. This is the, the <laughs> NBA Finals Miami Heat. They got to get one in Miami. Come on. It's like it's like they're back in the bubbles. It's back in Florida. <laughs> I'm saying they're getting swept. Wow. <laughs> well, if, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I do think they'll win one. But so far for the Bucks, I mean, that big acquisition to get Drew Holiday in the offseason looks like it's paying off pretty well, huh? I mean, yeah. 15 and a half, 9 and 9 through the first two games, 2 and a half steals through these first two games. Looking Maybe that's the good. second best <laughs> trade acquisition. Was that Maybe, in season? I mean, that was not in season, though. That was oh. before season. So maybe the best before season trade, but I mean, that's what they needed. They just needed a third guy because Middleton mm -hmm. and Giannis and then hope someone stepped up. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is, was just never going to be that guy. Holiday for sure. Yeah. And I mean, part of it is also Middleton has elevated his game this year. He's way, he's gotten, yeah, I mean, not significantly, but, but he's made a, a, another step in his game. Well, he's just uh, always hasn't played that well in the playoffs. Like it mm -hmm. always seems like his regular season is better than the playoffs. And so far it's looking like he's just staying steady, which is exactly what they need. Yeah, exactly. Um, closing it off or not closing it off, but we got two more here. I'm not sure much to say here, but that's <laughs> up 2 0 uh, on the Celtics. Oh Looks like maybe Jason Tatum is hurt as well. Um, of course, Kevin Durant to, pokes him in the eye. I mean, yeah. it just it just makes you hate the guy more. It's like you're already <laughs> beating the crap out of this team. And you go and poke this guy in the eye. Oh yeah, I didn't mean it. Whatever. It it's it's just like I know you didn't mean it, but of course you're the guy that poked him in the eye. Like you learn that from Draymond while you're in Golden <laughs> State. 
Like it's just, just it just adds insult to injury. It's like you really didn't need to do this to this Celtics team. They're trying their best out here. But yeah, the one bright spot, Robert Williams the third for Boston off the bench. He had nine blocks in game one. <laughs> he had nine freaking blocks. That is that's, ridiculous. That's kind of one of those things that's like a cool shout out, but it's not really anything substantial, I think. I'm going to pick this guy up in fantasy next year. I'm telling you, <laughs> he's going to get nine blocks. Oh, well that's. Oh, so are you back on the. So is Robert Williams back to being a thing? Oh, of course he is. He's going to be the starting center next year. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, something I also realized uh, about the Celtics is Jabari Parker is on this roster. I didn't know he, he is, was on this yeah. roster. Um, that's yeah, all I got, got to say about by that. The Kings, yeah. And then I guess the Celtics picked him up because they're desperate. But yeah, <laughs> only thing I guess I got left to say here is this is an awful year that they've had. I'm not sure they even want to be wanted to be in the playoffs, but they were there. Um, <laughs> they did. They, Jason Tatum scored 50 to get them into the playoffs. They wanted to be here. That's true. Let I'll let them have the play, and that's their moment of glory. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think there, there's nothing here that even cries a glimmer of hope, especially if Tatum is out. Like this is it. It's over. This is a sweep and. They'll be lucky to get within 15 points, I think, in any of the next two games. I'm really excited for that impending Nets-Bucks series, though. Yeah. That's going to be a very good series. Yeah, I think so. Let's just get on with that, and let's just see two two of the top five players go at it in Giannis versus Mm -hmm. Durant. I mean, well, actually, you could arguably see three of the top best top five players. James Harden is on the fence, but... I I think he could be he, you could put him in the top five list. Oh yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would definitely. Yeah. So on there, that's a sweep. Sean, do you have anything to disagree no, with it's that? It's a sweep. No. <laughs> Sixers two and zero against the Wizards. Uh, Russell Westbrook <laughs> just struggling, doing his thing, where he kind of just disappears in the like he's got to be hurt. I mean, he did walk walk out of the game today. Uh, so obviously there is something going on there and it seems like there was, he just kind of has been struggling the last few games coming back to the play in. Um, yeah, I'm not, again, like not much to say here. I think this is a sweep here. I'm sorry, Bradley Beal, hopefully in the summertime trade talks open up again and get you to a more respectable place. That's all I gotta say. I think I don't come on, man. I mean, once Russell Westbrook was healthy and Beal was healthy, this team was pretty good. They made that huge push to make to even get to the point that they're at right now. Like the they fact did. that they made the playoffs is astounding from where they, they were halfway through. Yeah, and I think they got that accomplishment and there's nothing else to say, nothing else to see. <laughs> this is just a bad roster. This is just a it's bad roster. It's not that bad. They're just not playing that well. I mean, Davis Pertons was zero for four. This is your three-point <laughs> guy. This is supposed to be like your Joe Harris you're yeah. Uh, yeah, your three-point specialist, you're you're uh Bogdan Bogdanovich type. The dude was shooting zero for four. He didn't get a single point. Actually, I don't think he got a single stat in all the <laughs> playing time that he got today. So they're just playing like crap. And uh, yeah, I mean, well, I think a lot of that just is because Russell Westbrook, he needs to run the offense. If he's not feeling hundred mm-hmm. percent, it's just not gonna click. And Beal himself isn't fully healthy. He still has that strained hamstring that he's playing through. So, yeah, there's just there's nothing you can really do about it. 
Yeah, I mean, Raul Nato is your starting point guard. Alex Lynn <laughs> is like was well on his way out of the league, it felt. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's just shooting practice for the 76ers the next two <laughs> games. Uh, well, Tobias I'm, Harris I'm, doesn't need that shooting practice. He's been playing like a monster. Yeah, because there's nobody who can guard him on this <laughs> Wizards it. roster. You're going to get Rui Hachimura on Tobias Harris? Good luck, man. 28 yeah. points per game for Tobias to these first two. Yeah, Ru Hashimara, I thought I thought he was go- he was on his way to having a good year this year and it didn't really come well, together too. Yeah. Um and I was hoping he would I would see him gain some momentum, but he's not looked super impressive. Uh hopefully he he's, there's still some more potential in there. I think I think he's he has potential to be a good player in this league, but maybe next year we'll try again. Uh yeah. but <laughs> Outside of this, I think Bradley Beal is like the only bright spot on this. This is just a bad team. The Wizards. It's, just, it's not a great team, but like <laughs> with Russ and Beal, they can beat up on like the regular season teams. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think this this was definitely the spot that the Pacers should have taken had everything gone well. Uh, I think they would have been much better off. <laughs> no, not in the current state, but like what they had is good, and uh, it's unfortunate that we got the Wizards there instead. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well we, if russell was healthy it'd be fun to watch right that's like, true but he's just he's playing so bad and mm-hmm. I, you can credit ben simmons and danny green for really like clamping down on defense i mean the sixers are an amazing defensive team and that's just part of it and yeah i, I think- mean yeah speaking of defense though i need to give a special shout out to matisse Thibel. <laughs> i saw a crazy stat so of all like every player that's ever played in the playoffs there's only been a handful that have gotten f- four steals and five blocks in a playoff game and all of them had to play above 35 minutes to get those stats matisse Thibel did that today in 20 minutes <laughs> in 20 minutes this guy had four steals and five blocks first team all defense he should be. He really yeah. should be. And if he's not this year, he's going to be next year. This guy is a monster on the defensive side. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Let's just move move on to the next series. Let's see the 76ers in the second round and and see see what see what damage they do because this Wizards team is has done sweep any disagreement Sean? <laughs> no no not at all <laughs> yeah and now the final series here grizzlies jazz so the game just ended mm. sean i'm not sure if you saw the final yeah, score yeah i saw the you final saw there mm-hmm. 141 129 Oof, barn burner <laughs> oh but what a run out of the gym here that the grizzlies <laughs> got from from utah 141 i mean although it's only like 11 point deficit but still just a to score 141 points in, re- in just points. regular time hey, these are two teams uh, that are known for their defense <laughs> yeah exactly it's crazy utah is just like it's unbelievable but they truly are like the they i mean as much as we don't want to admit it they should be the favor i mean they're they're all mm. around defense is great they're shooting well. Like there is the only the only sour point right now is Donovan Mitchell, who is hurt, but he came back today and he looked good and he put he's putting this team away. Um Jazz looks scary, I think, right now. And what about the Grizzlies? Well, they're giving it their best shot. And I think the <laughs> real highlight here is that we're getting to see John Morant really start to morph him to a star. He had kind of a tough regular season, but I think towards the end he's been closing well and Dude is really lighting it up and 
it's great to see another young star out there. And Jonas Valachunas, I mean, dude, that dude's had a killer regular season, mm-hmm. revitalizing his career. Uh, so shout out to him to have made it this far. But uh, I think it's, I mean, they managed to steal one game with no Donovan Mitchell there. But outside of that, this is five game series. And we're going to see some more 130 to 115 type finishes. <laughs> I, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I do credit the Grizzlies for making this actually a series. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were able to get game one. I mean, that's they took advantage of the situation. Can't fault them for that. And then they actually did give Utah a run for their money up until the fourth quarter. And through three, they, they had that epic comeback in the third quarter to really narrow the gap there. And then Utah is just able to pull away at the end when they were able to get Donovan Mitchell back in there, who a fantastic play from Donovan in his first game back after over a month. He gets 25 points in 26 minutes. And that's that's very encouraging if you're a Jazz fan to just be like, wow, mm-hmm. this guy's he's ready to go right off the bat. Um, they looked very good. I mean, yeah, John Morant with 47 points tonight. <laughs> that is unreal. 15 to 26 shooting. Still had four rebounds and seven assists to boot. He was not doing this in the regular season. No, at all. he wasn't. He is, he is playing at a whole nother level that we are not accustomed to. I mean, we knew this guy was a very good player, but this is this is some star power that we're seeing from mm-hmm. John Morant right here. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm happy that the Grizzlies made it in because of this type of performance that we're seeing from a young star that we wouldn't have seen if the Warriors made it, which still would have been really cool to see Steph Curry play in, obviously. But I think this Grizzlies team has earned the right to say that they deserve the eight seed after the way they've played these these last two games. And who's to say they can't get another one in Memphis? You know, it, it's entirely <laughs> possible. I mean, this we just saw the what is probably the best version of the memphis grizzlies tonight 47 <laughs> 23 from dylan brooks jonas doing his thing 18 and 6 jaron jackson i think this has probably been his best game in the 16 uh, since points he's coming. Is not bad yeah yeah 16 and 3 we didn't see him really play in the playing game game one he wasn't really there either so i think we just saw the best that the grizzlies can do and they lost by 11 uh yeah i guess you could there there is a there is a potential 0 for 8 night coming from for Bogdan or or Joe Ingles. Um, so potentially, but unlikely. But I mean, just like looking at this roster, though, a lot of these guys are going to be here for a couple years on this Memphis team. So very exciting building piece here for John to John Moran to to, you know, redeem himself from not a very good regular season, I think. And to close out this way is pretty good. And Dylan Brooks, man, this guy's been around for so long in Memphis. (laughs) And he always seemed like just one of those pieces you're there just to not spend too much money. The dude has been getting better every year. 23-2-1 tonight. And he was a dog in the play-in tournament, a dog in game one. Yeah, Uh, you know, he had 31 points in game one. Yeah, exactly. So I think this guy has is sending a message that he's a he's here to stay, man. He's here to stay in the league and be a be a good piece for either this Grizzlies team or another team. So shout out to him. Um, but again, all that to say is I'm sorry, Sean. I think it's five games. I don't think there's a game. <laughs> I mean, to steal. yeah, I, I want to <laughs> give him one. If Jaw can do this in Memphis, I think it's gonna have a whole different effect. So mm-hmm. I think so. One th- so if the Grizzlies want to win one of these next games. They're gonna have to figure out their bench rotation. Yeah, I think 
that's something that they I had problems with, in my opinion, the entire year is that they have these three shooting guards that come off the bench that all basically play the same position and you're playing them all like 20 minutes each. You can't have that many guards out, especially against a team like Utah has Gobert that ha- that has like four like Bogdanovich that can just shoot over these guys. Like you're playing Grayson Allen 19 minutes, Desmond Bain 24, Anthony Melton 17. You got to play like two of those three guys and give some more of these minutes to guys like Xavier Tillman, who was a big part of why they were able to win in the play-in tournament uh, when Jonas Valanciunas got into foul trouble. And and I think Brandon Clark, like what happened to Brandon Clark? How is this guy just completely out of the rotation now? Like, is he just that out of shape? Is he just that unmotivated? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. understand how this guy fell out of favor so quickly. Yeah, Brandon Clark was a big part in that run that they made last year right. to, to go to get into the play-in tournament. I completely forgot about him. I am <laughs> right? glad you yeah. brought up this <laughs> brought up his name because he looked like he was going to be that second round steal that was going to be an integral part to their building block. And it's just been a bad year for him. And and uh, um and he's just not even here now in the playoffs. Interesting thing. Yeah, maybe they make an, this is a call to make an adjustment and just swing for the fences and see if this last minute adjustment can help you steal another game. We'll see. Yeah. That's a good call for Brandon Clark, though. I, mean, no yeah, I think I think what I'd like to see is them just not play Grayson Allen or Tyus Jones. Give those minutes to Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark. And man, see what Grace, happens. <laughs> yeah. Grayson Allen, though, is the Steph killer, man. He he put that he dagger killer, in the heart <laughs> in the Warriors in yeah, the playing game. How, that was a fluke, man. I mean, <laughs> sure, I give him credit for that, but dude was zero for six tonight, minus 23 in this game. You can't you can't give it, reward him for past things. Like you you have to adjust because he's, mm-hmm. he's clearly outmatched in this Utah series. Yeah, ag- agreed. I think uh, well, a lot of these guys potentially, but yeah, there could be a n- the need to rotate, figure out something else there. Get Clark some minutes. Give let him yeah, go get out. Clark some minutes. Like what happened? I, I was <laughs> excited for this guy going into this season. I thought he'd be a double double machine. I and he looked good with Jaron Jackson out for for a little bit, and Jonas was out. Um, but just never really capitalized. I feel on that on that opportunity. Anyways. Yeah. Any final thoughts here on Grizzlies Jazz? Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich keeps balling out. <laughs> what the <laughs> heck? This guy somehow found a way to be consistent. I mean, he was really the primary scorer when Mitchell was out in that last month of the year, and he's kept it going. I mean, 29 points in game one. Um, how much did he have tonight? I think he had over 20 tonight, too. So, yeah, fantastic scoring from him. That's that's what exactly what they got him for. Yeah. And your boy Joe Ingles continues his Ingle play, his style. <laughs> He's so consistent. Uh, Boyan only had 18 tonight. But still, that's like that's exactly what you got him over there for. Get 18, 20 points a game. Yeah. Give Donovan it's... Mitchell that extra punch in the starting lineup. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see it all kind of coming together for this jazz team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Final thoughts here to close the podcast out. The playing tournament. Was it worth mm. it? Should it continue? I mean, on one side, there's a tiny piece of me that says maybe it's not that big of a deal. You got the Wizards out there who are going to get swept anyways. You got the Celtics who are going to get swept anyways. But then you have this Memphis Grizzlies team 
<laughs> and then you and then you look and then you had that Lakers versus Warriors game, that Grizzlies versus mm-hmm. Warriors games. I gotta say, I like it. It gives it gives a moment before the playoffs starts. You know, the first round doesn't always isn't always the most exciting thing. This year's it's exciting, but the playing tournament does add that extra um of excitement before we get to the second round and the and the conference finals. I hope it's here to stay. I think it's fun. Is it at at times are we gonna have teams that it's just kind of like pointless to even have them play? Maybe, probably, but it's still worth it. I think. What do you think, yeah. Sean? <laughs> oh, I totally agree. I think just the sheer amount of success that we saw with it this year, mm-hmm. it's gonna keep it here for a very long time. That yeah. Lakers Warriors game was like an event. Like that playing game was an event. Like I had people come over to the house. (laughs) It was crazy. It was, it was the best game I've seen in a long time. And then the Grizzlies Warriors one was almost as good. It was, it was so exciting. And like, obviously the East ones were not as good, (laughs) but those West ones were crazy. And to get that type of caliber basketball out of, out of a non-playoff game, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty special, and it really came at no detriment to like who ended up making the playoffs anyway. So yeah, I was a huge fan of it. Yeah, I hope I hope they keep it for a while. Um, that was yeah, it was super fun. <laughs> yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. I don't think the Pacers wanted to be there. They don't look like they wanted, but no, they were probably there. not. But you know, <laughs> that hey, I'll, I will I'll take the sacrifice of the Pacers if it meant we got that Lakers Warriors game. That yeah, was, exactly. That was better than most NBA Finals games. Yeah, I mean it lived up to the hype, right? Curry versus LeBron. Yeah. Uh, a team on the game upswing winner. and a team that's barely trying to get up. Yeah, ended on a ridiculous yeah. game. My maybe one of them, maybe this could that could end up coming down as being like one of LeBron's best shots oh, of yeah. his career. Like, oh yeah, at the least three, at least as a three, highlight. The seeing three rims, three point go ahead, three pointer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we had we saw Juan Toscano have his best game ever. <laughs> Jordan Poole have his best game. Those guys were just out there just lighting. I was like, who are these guys? <laughs> and they're just like doing their thing out there. Crazy stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully it's here to stay. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You know, next week we'll continue the rundown of the playoffs all the way up until the very end. So thanks, everybody. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone.